This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We continue the theme we started last night, radio programs that zero in on family dynamics. Now, last night, it was Ozzie and Harriet. Tonight, we listen in on another episode of The Aldridge Family. That was the creation of playwright Clifford Goldsmith. The lead character, Henry Aldridge, began on Broadway as a minor character in Goldsmith's play What a Life, produced and directed by George Abbott. What a Life ran for 538 performances. The Broadway cast included Eddie Bracken, Betty Field, and Butterfly McQueen. The actor who brought Henry to life on stage was 20-year-old Ezra Stone, who was billed near the bottom as the 20th actor in the cast. Now, here's where it gets kind of interesting. Rudy Valley saw the play. He asked Goldsmith to adapt it into some sketches for his radio program. And this was followed in 1938 by a 39-week run of sketch comedy series on the Kate Smith Hour, with Stone continuing in the role of Henry. Uh, Kate Smith's director, Bob Welsh, is credited with the creation of the Henry, Henry Aldrich, the opening which eventually became one of the most famous signature sounds in radio. After finding an audience with Kate Smith's listeners, the Aldrich family was launched into his own series as a summer replacement program for Jack Benny in NBC's Sunday Night Lineup. After several moves to different time slots and different networks, the Aldridge family continued on the air until 1953. The show was a top 10 ratings hit within two years of its birth. In 1941, the show carried a 33.4 Crosley rating, landing it solidly along uh, ben, Jack Benny and Bob Hope. The writer Clifford Goldsmith was the highest-paid writer in radio at the time, earning $3,000 a week. Young Ezra Stone kept the lead role until 1942 when he entered the Army for World War II. Other members of the cast include Henry's parents, Sam and Alice, portrayed by House Jameson and Catherine Pratt. The role of Henry's best friend, Homer Brown, was played by Jackie Kelk as well as some others along the way, Jack Grimes, Michael O'Day, and John Fiedler. Well, let's check in to see what's going on at the home of Henry Aldridge at 117 Elm Street in Centerville, USA. A teenage boy has always scampered across the American scene. Tom Sawyer, Huckleberry Finn, Penrod, Peck's bad boy. Maybe there's a good reason why. 
Maybe in a typical American boy like Henry Aldrich, people can see someone they once were or once knew. The scene opens on the front porch of the Aldrich home. The time is late afternoon. Gee, Homer, you're just worrying over nothing. Well, Henry, that isn't the way my father said he would have done it. My father will get it, Homer. Why do you think he's taking the time to drive way out to Mr. Frederick's farm if he can? Oh, boy, I certainly hope he can collect it. Homer, he's going to tell Mr. Frederick right straight to his face how much he owes us for the work we did this summer. And your father thinks he can get it all? Sure he can, Homer. He'll get our whole eight dollars. Well, my father said that if a man owed him that much for working as hard as we did, he wouldn't go all the way out there. He'd just sue him. Boy, Homer, your father doesn't know anything about a thing like that. All he does is sell lumber. Because my father's one of the best lawyers in the state. He can talk anyone into giving him money. How? Well, I don't know, but it's a knack you have if you're a lawyer. And, and nobody puts anything over on my father. When he goes after a thing, he gets it. He does? And how? You just wait until he comes back and hands us each four dollars. <laughs> Father, didn't I make it clear Mr. Frederick owed us $8? Henry, for the last time, I collected it. In money, Mr. Aldrich? Uh, no, Homer, not in money. As I said before, I collected the equivalent. Sam, what do you mean by the equivalent? I mean, Alice, that Mr. Frederick didn't have the cash. So he paid it in corn. In what? <laughs> corn, Mrs. Aldrich. Gee, Father, not that we don't appreciate your trying, but what Homer and I had really planned and was... Well, you know, money. Gee, where's Mr. Aldrich? My father said Never that... mind what your father said, Homer. There's nothing wrong with being paid in corn. It's the ancient principle of barter and exchange. It is? Of course. It's a simple case of applied economics. You boys will learn a great deal from this transaction. It's taught me one thing already. I'm glad to hear it, Homer. The next time I do any work, I'm getting my money in advance. <laughs> now, Homer... Sam, how much corn did he give the boys? Tomorrow morning, Alice, he's driving his truck in with 12 bushels. 12 bushels? Of corn? Yes, Mrs. Aldrich, 12 bushels. Where in heaven's name are you going to keep it? In the basement, Mother, so we can figure out what to do with it. Well, that's very nice, I'm sure. Mr. Aldrich, how much is it worth, a bushel? Uh, well, I'm afraid it isn't worth a great deal right now, but naturally, if you hold it, you'll find the price will fluctuate. Sure, sure it will. What do you mean, fluctuate, Henry? <laughs> Boy, Homer, you sure are dumb. Yeah, it means that... Tell him, will you, Father? <laughs> the fluctuation reflects the cost of living. The price may be down, but only temporarily. Sooner or later, it'll go up. Sam, what is it you're suggesting the boys do? Trade in corn? Now, Alice, it'll be a very good experience for them. They'll learn the principles of supply and demand. This will teach them the value of money. She whiz, Father, I know the value of money. It's the value of corn I'm worrying about. <laughs> well, don't worry about it, dear. You and Homer can corner the market with your 12 bushels and make a killing when it goes up. Alice, for heaven's sake. I'm sorry, Sam. Please hurry and get ready for dinner. Were you including me, Mrs. Aldrich? Why, no, Homer, I wasn't. However, if you feel that you want to stay... Oh, I, I couldn't stay unless I was specially asked. Well, in that case, dear, perhaps the next time. <laughs> Could you start that over again, Mrs. Aldrich? <laughs> Come on, Homer, I'll go to the door with you Well, thanks for your trouble, Mrs. Aldrich And thank you for your trouble, Mr. Aldrich No trouble at all 
Understand, Henry, I'm not criticizing. Only you should have gotten my father to handle this. Now, listen, is that a slur on my father? Oh, gee whiz, no. The only thing is, I don't know how he makes a living. Homer. Twelve bushels of corn or twelve bushels of corn? Well, I can figure that much myself. But when I go up to the dance committee and get two tickets for the class dance, what am I going to hand them? Six bushels of corn? <laughs> that hasn't even fluctuated yet? <laughs> well, you aren't any worse off than I am. Eleanor Wentworth, haven't I? Boy, I don't know how I'm going to be able to face Betty Newton. Listen, Homer, why don't you see if your mother wouldn't be interested in buying it? The can. The whole 12 bushels? We could quote her a reasonable price. Sure. You want my mother to get us out of a hole that your father got us into. Homer, Homer, we aren't in any hole. You just don't realize how valuable that corn is going to be. When? When it fluctuates. When it fluctuates. <laughs> Which room is the class holding the meeting? Right there in 2A. Did you try the wayside market, Homer? Yes, Henry, I've been everywhere. Did you go to the neighborhood grocery? Yes. And they said the same thing everybody else did? No, they just laughed. Well, didn't you tell them what your father said about the price? Homer, people who are laughing aren't in the mood to talk business. Boy. I don't know why I want to go to this meeting anyway. All they're going to talk about is the class dance. Did Ellen go in? Sure. I'll bet the first thing they ask us is, have we bought our tickets? Oh, quiet, Henry. Has the meeting started? No, Mr. President, the chair recognizes Toby Wilson. Although most of the tickets for the dance a week from this Saturday have been sold, there are still a few guys holding back. Oh, boy. Let's not have any slackers, fellas. Let's make it 100%. <laughs> I'm going out, Henry. No homer, they'll see you. Are there any other announcements? Mr. President. Jimmy Bartlett. Uh, Mr. President, I've been a member of this class for a good many years now. And, well, I'd like to ask why the tickets have to cost so much. Mr. President, that's what I say. Well, I think the price of a ticket should uh, fluctuate like the cost of living. Homer, would you mind explaining that? Uh... Well, if you don't know, it's not going to do any good to tell you. <laughs> and it isn't the money I mind, it's a principle. Homer, I believe the price of tickets was fully discussed at the last meeting. And you're out of order. What do you mean I'm out of order? I wasn't even at the last meeting. I think we ought to have more principle all the way around. <laughs> Homer, be quiet. Order, please. Order. Are there any other announcements? Mr. President. Betty Newton. I'm in We'll be right at the next meeting. Are there any other announcements? Uh, Mr. President, I make a motion that we postpone the dance. Oh! For how long? For how long? For about four weeks. Oh, no! All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Those opposed? No! I like to dance. But, but gee, I, I don't know. 
Sometimes I start wondering if dancing is everything in life. How about trying something else, just one year? The evenings are nice now. They're a little chilly, maybe, but we're going to have a moon, I think. Why waste our time indoors, just dancing? Well, what do you suggest? Why, uh, a sort of cornrows. Now, <laughs> what? As I make a motion that this class show a little originality and initiative and have a cornrow. I second the motion. <laughs> Order, please. Order. Mr. President, I never heard of anything so ridiculous. All I can say is, who wants a cornrow? I do. Mr. President. Wait a minute, Henry Aldrich. I'm not through dancing yet. I mean, talking. <laughs> uh, the only trouble with having a cornrow is... Where are you going to get the corn? It's hard to find this time of year. But if we have enough, enough initiative and originality to want a corn roast, then I'm willing to personally guarantee that I will find the corn. Somehow. I second that motion, too. What motion, Homer? What? There wasn't any motion. Well, then I make one. Oh, sit down. Now, wait a minute. Where are your principles? Homer, shut up. There has been a motion that instead of a dance, we show little originality and initiative by holding a corn roast. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? No. The boys have it. It'll be a corn roast. Tell Henry Aldridge somebody wants him outside. I'm wanted outside? Somebody wants you out in the main office. Hey, come on, Homer. I'm wanted. Mr. President, does this mean we will or will not have punch also? Yes! Yeah! Yeah! Gee, Henry, did you steamroll that? Homer, it just happens that I did it for the sake of the class. You did? Sure. I really think a corn roast is a better idea than a dance. And if it happens that we have the corn they need, we'll let them have it. Just what they need. No more and no less. Well, how much do you think they'll need, Hen? About 12 bushels. <laughs> Henry, I wonder who wants you in the front office. Henry Aldrich. Where did you come from, Eleanor? I just followed you out of a class meeting, and I want to tell you that every girl in there is so mad at you, they're never going to speak to you again. They're all mad at me? My goodness, Henry. You even invited me to go to the class dance with you. Well, sure, Eleanor, but let me explain. Henry, I even bought a dress for the dance, a brand new taffeta dress. Well, look here, what's Don't the... I look nice eating corn on the cob in taffeta? But she whiz, Eleanor. All we did was substitute a corn roast for the dance. And you can just substitute another girl. Goodbye. Eleanor, wait. Oh, no, I won't. Eleanor, wait. Wait. Homer Brown. Oh, boy. Come on, Henry. Here comes Betty. You wait for me, Homer Brown. Oh, did you want to speak to me? Yes, I do. Do you realize I can't eat sweet corn? Why not? Because I've got this brace on my teeth. And I've got to wear it for three more months. Gee whiz, Betty, you're too self-conscious about it. That's right. It's not the least bit noticeable. Unless you smile. <laughs> but, but gee whiz, Betty. Henry Aldrich! Oh, boy, who's that? It's your sister, Henry. Mary? What's she doing here in school? Oh, has she got a complaint, too? Henry, I've been waiting for you in the main office. Here, you left this morning without your lunchbox. Oh, well, thanks very much. And, Henry, when you come home from school this afternoon, you're to stop at the store and see if you can get 12 ears of fresh-picked corn. Corn? Yes. We've got corn. She was 12 bushels came this morning before I left the house. But Mother says we can't eat that, Henry. My goodness, how could we eat it? Why couldn't we? It's horse corn. <laughs> it's what corn? Horse. Horse? Horse? Does that mean we can't have the corn roast? Homer, 
That means if anything is going to be roasted, it'll be us. And now, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. Well, Henry and Homer have talked the junior class into holding a corn roast instead of a dance in order to sell their 12 bushels of corn. While congratulating themselves on their success... They learned that they have in their possession not sweet corn, but horse corn. The scene opens that afternoon in the Aldridge basement. Understand, Henry, I'm not criticizing your father, but don't you think he should have known this was horse corn? Why should he have? After all, my father's a lawyer, not a farmer. To him, corn is corn. Well, listen, Henry, I've been thinking. Couldn't we still sell it to the class, even if it is really just for horses? Look, Homer, you see this front tooth? Yes. I lost that tooth once, biting into an ear of horse corn. Looks all right to me. Sure, it grew out again. But the one I had, I lost. You did? Sure. And do you want us to be responsible for the whole class losing their front teeth? (laughs) Well, couldn't we soak it in butter and soften it up a little? (laughs) And not serve it until after dark? No, Homer. Oh, well, here we are, Henry, stuck with those 12 bushels of horse food. And the whole junior class is waiting for something to eat. I don't want to hear another word about the class dance. But Mother, it isn't to be a dance. It's to be a corn roast. And Henry Aldridge expects me to go with him. But you're not going out and buy clothes just for a corn roast. We bought you a lovely taffeta dress to dance in. Oh, why aren't you having the dance? Henry thought it would be much more original for us not to have one. Well, you have plenty of clothes that are good enough to eat corn in. But nothing that Henry hasn't seen me in before. And this is going to be a very original occasion. Dear, you can't expect me to buy you a dress for every single occasion. It's silly, Eleanor. But, Mother, I'll economize. I'll get something that I can wear to corn roasts and weenie roasts. Oh, Oh, Mother, if I don't get a new dress, I'll just die. I know it. Well, I'd have a hard time explaining that to your father. Oh, Uh, I'll die. uh, All right. Can you uh, meet me at the Emporium tomorrow? Oh, yes, Mother, and thank you. I saw just the thing down there I have in mind. Sit right where you are, Mother. I'll answer the phone for you. Hello? Hello, is this Eleanor? Yes. This is Biddy. I just had a great idea. What about? Well, you know that corn roast we're having? Yes. Well, my uncle has a cabin down by the lake, and I asked him whether the whole class could meet there. And what do you think, Eleanor? What? He said he'd be very glad to let us have it, and he's sending two men out there to get the whole thing cleaned up for us. Really? Yes. I think it's a very original idea, don't you? Yes, I was just telling my mother. And what else do you think? What? The dentist is going to take the brace off my teeth. He is? As a special favor, just for the weekend. That's wonderful. And oh boy, am I looking forward to it. I should imagine. I think it's terribly exciting. I should think you would. And how? You know, it's been years since I've eaten sweet corn. <laughs> meeting for a change. Gee, Henry, everything's going swell. They haven't even mentioned the corn roast. Quiet, Homer. I think they've forgotten they voted on it. Quiet, please. Quiet. The next 
item on the agenda is report on the corn roast. Oh, where is Henry Allrich? Oh, boy, Homer. There he is, Mr. President. Is that Allrich back in the corner? Uh, yes, Mr. President. Will you make a report? Well, I'd like to say a few words on that subject. It has uh, come to my attention that some of the people around here are a little upset by the corn situation. We, we've always been pretty proud of the harmony in the class, and I think it would be a great mistake if we let an innocent suggestion by me about having a corn roast split us wide open. <laughs> if, after all, we have our annual what-you-may-call-its to have a good time. And, and for that reason, I think it's foolish to go ahead willy-nilly with a corn roast. I second the motion. No motion has been made yet, Homer. <laughs> then I second it when it's made. Oh, you're out of order. Is that so? Well, just as a matter of principle, I'd like to know... Sit down, Homer. Okay, okay. If you're opposed to a corn roast, Henry, what do you suggest in its place? Uh, a dance. Mr. President, we girls have a right to know where we stand around here. After getting us worked up to the point where we want corn, you're going to make us dance? Uh, don't misunderstand me, Betty. I, I think we ought to have a dance and corn. Mm. Only, only work them together so that everybody will be satisfied and there won't be any hard feelings. Well, um, why couldn't we show a little originality and initiative and have sort of a barn dance? You know what I mean? Only not a plain, ordinary barn dance. This would be different. The decorating. Nothing but ears of corn. Mr. President, I second that motion. Mr. President, may I ask why we can't have corn to eat instead of just corn for decorations? Because along this time of the year, Toby, you take horse corn, for instance. It's very colorful and nice to look at. Well, sweet corn is liable to be tough. You, you don't want to lose a tooth when you're out on a social event, do you? I can take care of my teeth. <laughs> but I say, why take a chance? After all, we can eat corn any old time. Why get into a rut? I think we ought to be the first class in the history of Central High or any other school that has the originality and initiative to have a plain corn dance. Order, order, please. The chair recognizes Eleanor Wetworth. Mr. President, I'd like to protest. Just because the majority in this class is composed of boys, that doesn't give the boys any right to change their minds every ten seconds. We girls have a right to know what's going to happen to us. I demand that a vote be taken. Now, wait a minute, Eleanor. I demand that a vote be taken on our having a simple, informal dance in evening clothes. No! Really? I understand they had to call in six hall monitors and the gym teacher to quiet them down. What was the trouble? I don't know, but they tell me the class is in a terrible condition. Nobody's speaking to anybody. Well. There's even some talk of when they graduate, they're going to have two separate commencements. What for? Well, the girls say they won't be seen graduating from the same platform as the boys. Is that you, Henry? Yes, Mother. Oh, Mrs. Aldrich. Hi, Mary. Hello, Homer. Henry, how on earth did you get your shirt torn? My shirt? My shirt? Oh, gee whiz. Do you know who I think tore it, Henry? Who? Betty. When did she do that? 
right after Natalie White slapped his face. <laughs> Henry, what did she slap your face for? I took the floor away from her. <laughs> you what? I, I, I took the floor away from her. We had a class meeting. Homer, you better get some mercurochrome for your face. It's all scratched up. That was Madeline Miller. My goodness, she must have long fingernails. Not anymore. <laughs> Henry, you didn't get into a fight with any of the girls, did you? She was no. I was a gentleman through the whole thing. I don't understand what caused the whole thing. Well, we had what you might call a close vote. See, Mother? Well, we got it through, didn't we, Henry? What did you get through? Oh, just a little motion I made. Uh, listen, Mother, where'd you put the corn? The corn? Sure, my 12 bushels. It's downstairs in the basement, dear. Oh, no, it isn't, Mrs. Aldrich. Yes, it is, Homer. Mary, we were just down there, and there wasn't even one basket there. Well, I don't understand it. Mother, did you go out at all today? Yes, I did. Did you lock all the doors? Oh, but the back door. Oh, boy. You think our corn's been stolen, Henry? Sure it has, Homer. Sure it has. Dear, don't be ridiculous. No one is going to steal 12 bushels of corn you can't eat. Corn? You boys aren't worried about the corn, are you? We sure are, Father. Hello, Sam. Hello, dear. Do you know anything about the corn, Sam? I certainly do. Who took it? Who took it? I did. You did? After all, I wasn't going to let Mr. Frederick stick my own son with a load of useless horse corn. No, sir. So I just went out there and made him take it back. You haven't got the corn anymore? I should say not. Did Mr. Fredericks give you the money? No, potatoes. <laughs> potatoes? Nobody puts anything over on Sam Aldrich, let me tell you. I'm a pretty sharp trader, you know. But, Father... Mr. Aldrich... Don't bother to thank me. It was my own fault for not being more careful in the first place. But, Father... Mr. Aldrich... I let him know quite plainly I would stand for no nonsense. But, Father... Mr. Aldrich... <laughs> Look, Betty, see that window in the Emporium? That dress in the center? Yeah, that's exactly like the one I got for the corn roast. Only mine was blue. And they won't let you take it back? No. That's why my mother's so mad at our class. Well, look, Betty, I guess you're going on, and this is about as far as I go. Well, I'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye. wondered whether you'd be here. Now, Eleanor, are you sure you have to buy a special outfit just for a barn dance? Oh, my goodness, yes. After all, I can't wear a corn roast dress to a corn dance, especially when the whole dance was Henry's idea. do. Let's just wait and see if something happens. Well, we're still stuck with the potatoes. Homer, relax. Take it easy. My father says that's a trouble. We've been taking it easy when we should have been tough. I'm going to make a motion. What motion? Well, I don't know yet. Mr. Uh, Mr. President. President! Homer Brown. I had the floor first. Nobody recognized you. Sit down. Sit down, Homer. As long as there is some doubt about who had the floor first, I think we should recognize the young lady. Yeah. Mr. President, this is a matter of principle. Betty Newton has the floor. Thank you. I should like to bring to your attention an article in today's school paper, which is the most sensible thing I've ever read in my life. It's called In These Times. It says, in these times, it hardly seems fitting and proper for students who are planning a dance to spend their money on unnecessary decorations, such as corn. If the junior... 
it will be long remembered, why don't they give a dance without the decorations and show a little originality and initiative by contributing that money in the form of food, like potatoes? Because they're the staff of life. That's bread. <laughs> now listen, Toby. The person who wrote that article knew what he was talking about. And we're going to carry out his wishes. Mr. President, I make a motion that this class give a dance. Just a plain, informal dance. In evening dress. But without any other decorations. And then we use the proceeds to buy potatoes for people that are worried. Hey, Mr. President. Henry Aldrich. I just want to say that since I was the one who first suggested the corn dance... After hearing that article, I'm ashamed of myself. I not only withdraw my suggestion, but I second Betty's motion. Hey, Henry, who wrote that article? What do you think? Oh, gee, who is it? Why didn't you tell me? I even put the paper on Betty's desk. Hey, Homer. Homer, there's a fellow in the hall that wants to see you. He wants to see me? Who is it? I don't know. Somebody just told me. Come on, Homer, let's get out. We're sitting pretty. I'll say we are. Order! Order! All those in favor of our contributing the dance proceeds to potatoes instead of decorating the corn, please survive. Henry, do you see anyone out here? No. Hello, Homer. Father, what are you doing here? Well, I just went out and had a talk with that farmer who owed you money. You did, Mr. Brown? Yes, sir, and I fixed things. I told him he couldn't unload first horse corn and then old potatoes that were even sprouting. Maybe he could do that to Sam Aldrich, but he couldn't do it to me. You mean you got our money, Father? No, he didn't have any cash. But I made him come across with 25 baskets of spinach. Spinach? <laughs> oh, boy, Homer, not even the poor will take spinach. <laughs> Hello? And just one more thing, Henry. Is this you again, Eleanor? It certainly is, the more I think about it. A spinach dance. A spinach dance. And I have a brand new yellow taffeta. Well, wouldn't you go as a slice of egg? The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith Henry is played by Bobby Ellis And Homer by Johnny Fiedler Mr. and Mrs. Aldridge are House Jameson and Catherine Roth Your announcer is Dick Dudley Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with the Aldridge family. Good night, everybody. Stay tuned for Hop Along Cassidy next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Hoppy and his sidekick, California, to tell us the story of The Killer in Black next on Theater of the Mind. <laughs> Oh, my God. 
With action and suspense out of the Old West comes the most famous hero of them all, Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd. The Ring of the Silver Spurs heralds the most amazing man ever to ride the prairies of the early West. Hopalong Cassidy, the same Hoppy you cheer in motion pictures, and the same California you've laughed at a million times. Raw courage and quick shooting have built a legend around this famous hero. Hopalong is a name to be feared, respected, and admired. For this great cowboy rides the trails of adventure and excitement. William Boyd as Hopalong Cassidy and Andy Clyde as California. Well, Hoppy, what about our story? Several folks have asked me how I found so much adventure in those early days of the West. The answer is, there was always plenty for a man to do just minding his own business. But sometimes trouble popped up when you least expected it. I remember one time, California, and I'd been riding across the hills under the burning sun, and suddenly we came on the prettiest little stream shaded by some cottonwood. Now, if you weren't in any particular hurry, what would you do in a case like that? (laughs) Yeah, you guessed it, and that's just what California and I were doing. Oh, this feels good. Yippee! <laughs> Ain't nothing like a good swim to ease a man's bones when he's been riding along as we have up here. Uh, here, come on. I'll give you a hand up this slick bag. Yeah. Mm. <clears throat> hey, this is slicker. Now, now, where in turnation did we put our clothes? Well, we drifted downstream quite a ways. Oh, there they are, hanging on that bush up there. Up we go. Ah. <sighs> Well, here's your stuff, Hoppy, and here... Well, well, I'll be horn swaggle. What do you got there, California? Looks like some low-down sneaking coyote took off with my clothes and left his. <laughs> well, if they fit, you got the best of the bargain. Nice black Stetson, black boots, black string tie, mighty fancy. Uh, they, they, <laughs> they seem to fit all right, and... My duds was getting stiff enough to walk off for themselves anyway. <laughs> Reckon that's what happened, Hoppy? See, <laughs> uh, look at what's in this pocket. Looks like a black mask to me. And it's got fresh blood on it. And Hoppy, this coat, uh, it ain't mine. and It's just been fired. Uh, what do you make of this, Hoppy? Looks pretty plain to me now, and I don't like it. There's been a shooting, maybe a killing. You hear that, Hoppy? I sure do. Well, there they are. If that ain't a posse, Hoppy, then I'm a ring-tailed skunk. Well, it's a posse, all right. They're moving fast enough to be following a fresh trail. And powerful anxious to meet up with a gent wearing black clothes, if I figure right. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's get a go in the You're in a tight spot, California. But you'd be in a worse spot if you ran. We've got to explain what really happened. Uh, yeah, and, and if they don't believe someone switched clothes with me, uh, then what? Uh, way they're riding, they mean business. Here's what we'll do. You stay and try to explain. The posse hasn't sighted us yet, and I'll slip around back of these cottonwoods. If they don't believe you, I'll make my play. Hurry. Uh, they're starting around the river bend. That's it, Hoppy. And, uh, Hoppy, if they start dragging out a hemp neck stretcher... Don't worry, California. Don't worry. Now, 
back to Hopalong Cassidy and The Killer in Black. Hoppy's pal, California, is in real danger being found in those black clothes. But Hoppy insists that California try to explain his way out of it. That's better than starting to run when he hasn't done anything wrong, Hoppy figures. And anyway, Hoppy's standing by to see that his pal gets a fair chance. All right, you crawling killer. I'd sure hate to plug you when so many's waiting to see your next stretch. But don't you make no fancy moves. Oh, no, no, Sheriff, uh, I ain't the man you're looking for. I know it looks awful funny, me dressed in this black ain't suit. Ain't nothing but... funny about the way you killed old Bill Ryan. Huh? Didn't never always agree with what he wrote in that weekly gazette. But no square editor ever set a stick of type. Uh, maybe so. Get on that horse of yours there. Uh, Taking you in. That's right. No, no, wait, 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 wait a minute, Sheriff. Like I was telling you, I was swimming in this here creek, and when I got out, somebody had tucked my clothes and left these. I never shot nobody. I, you I, get your chance to tell that one in court, mister, but I'm afraid the jury will just die laughing. I'll get up on that horse. No, 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 just let me tell you, Sheriff. You, 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 you got to believe Shut me, up, Sheriff. Start moving. Uh, get on up, Sheriff. I got this. Like you. <laughs> and next time I'm not shooting in front of your feet. Don't know what you think you're doing back in them bushes, stranger. But you ain't getting away with this. I'm not doing bad so far, am I, Sheriff? California, take up a collection of shooting irons. So that's the name, huh? Seems I've seen that face before, too. I've got it. You're the California that's a wrangler over at the Bar 20. Well, you won't get away with this. This is necessary, Sheriff. Start walking back to that butte over there, all of you. And don't look back. When you get there, turn your horses around and walk them back. Your six shooters will be here waiting. You're going to regret this, mister. Start walking, Sheriff. All right, I'll walk. Oh, now you done it, Hoppy. Let my name slip out. No reason to hide your name, California. Not set. The sheriff thinks I killed a gent and wants he ever catches up with me. He, uh, he ain't exactly gonna love me, and uh, especially after this play of yours. Well, I hate to cross up the law, but this lawman was blind. If they'd taken you in, I don't think you'd have had a chance. Maybe I ain't got one anyways. Well, uh, well, uh, what do we do now, Hoppy? Do? What would any man do? We got to find the killer before the law closes in. Oh, quit talking about the law closing in and think of something. I've got it. Maybe it's a good thing the sheriff does know your name. He'll head to the bar 20 and... The... That don't make me feel any better, Hoppy. That means he can't get back to Coyote Junction much before morning. Hoppy! Uh, Hoppy, you wouldn't mean that me and you are going back into town with me wearing these duds. We've got some nosing around to do, and that's the place to do it. It'll be dark, and I'll find some way to sneak you into a hotel room. The sooner we make Coyote Junction, the better. up here and I'm going to get a room. You go around back to the hotel and wait. If I can't get the right kind of room in a few minutes, I'll come back there. Right, Hoppy. Do your best. You got a room on the first floor, friend? Uh, something for a crippled gent so he doesn't have stairs to climb? I got a room right in the street if you want it. Well, I wanted something quiet. Well, for something quiet, uh, better take room four back on the alley. 
Hey, what was you to think if I told you there was a killing here this afternoon? Why, uh, why, you're kidding. Oh, I ain't a kidding either. Some varmint stuck a coat in old Bill Ryan's rib and told him to hand over his money. And what did Mr. Ryan do? Why, old Bill waded right into the guy. Wouldn't take orders from nobody. Took a slug in the shoulder, another in the hip. Just kept moving in. My, my. Finally, the third slug caught him in the gizzard. His poor wife's in the back room, seen it all. You don't say. Well, if it's that rough around here, I'd better take the quiet room on the alley. Uh, Well, just sign your room on this line here. There, that ought to do it. Yeah, here's your key. And straight back in the hallway there. Say, uh, uh, isn't it kind of funny the hold-up man didn't stick up the bank? Uh, not much money in a newspaper office. Well, not so funny if you know this town. Bank's been robbed so much they got three sheriff's deputies working as clerks, waiting for the hold-up men to come back. Besides, old Bill Ryan kept his bank rolling on his hip, and everybody knew it. I see. Well, good night, friend. Inside this room. You got it? Sure, sure. But uh, where are you going, Hoppy? You got anything to work, huh? Well, a little, thanks to the hotel clerk. How intonation. Old Bill Ryan didn't trust Banks. Carried his money in his pocket. An outsider wouldn't know that, but a local man would. Mm-hmm. That's pretty slick, Hoppy, but uh, where do you go from there? Even if it was a local hombre. There was a witness to the killing. Bill Ryan's own wife. A uh, poor woman. Well, wish you luck, Hoppy. Thanks, California. But remember... Keep the door locked and stay inside. <laughs> I I hated to break in on you, Mrs. Ryan, knowing your sorrow, but but I know you want the real killer brought to justice. It's exactly the way I told it. The same man that killed your husband is the one who switched clothes with my partner, California. You you sound sincere, Mr. Cassidy. I... Well, I do believe you. But if California didn't kill my husband, then who did? I don't know yet, Mrs. Ryan. But you can help me. Will you Will you try? You bet I'll try. What do you want me to do? Mrs. Ryan, your husband was a man who believed in printing the truth. The sheriff told me that much. He was a crusader, Mr. Cassidy. He loved this town and wanted it kept clean. When he saw evil things, he did his duty. Even if it meant making a few people angry? Yes, that's true. Nick Lyman, for one. Nick owns the Lucky Chance Casino. And what did he print about Lyman? That you could watch Nick Lyman's roulette wheel all night and never see a winner. Well, the sheriff sure had it right about your husband's courage. Yes. And the sheriff was a mite put out himself. With election coming on, Bill was making some pretty pointed references to the wave of bank robberies we've been having. And there's one more person who didn't like Bill. Who's that, Mrs. Ryan? Sam Fleeson, the banker's son-in-law. How does he fit into the picture? All three of the holdups this last month were during the noon hour when Sam was alone in the bank. Hmm. Maybe the bandit figured he had a good thing. Maybe. But my husband didn't think Sam put up enough of a fight. Well, let's supply Sam Fleeson with a motive, too. Now, uh, 
he wouldn't just happen to be a fellow who wears an all-black outfit. Black tie, black Stetson. I don't think that'll help much, Mr. Cassidy. True, Sam Fleason wears an outfit like that. But so does every other clerk in the bank. And so does Nick Lyman when he's at the lucky chance. So, I'm afraid you're right back where you... Something's what? happening down the street. Hard to tell what. I'll blow out the lamp so we can see better. What? It looks like a mob, and and they're heading right this way. They sure are, and there's a lot of them. They're all following the sheriff right up to the jail. So they are, Mrs. Ryan, so they they're are. They're still milling around outside that jail. I can't imagine... Uh, Mrs. Ryan, if you'll excuse me, I'm going down there. But why, Mr. Cassidy? Because the sheriff wasn't alone, Mrs. Ryan. My partner, California, was handcuffed to him. Now, back to Hopalong Cassidy and The Killer in Black. California has been led into the jail, and an angry mob mills about threateningly outside, eager to avenge the murder of Bill Ryan. Now, what do you want? I just happened to see you bring in a friend of mine, Sheriff. And you ain't very particular about your friends. Listen, happens to be a killer. That's your idea. I've got mine. Talking kind of big, ain't you? I happen no to be... No offense, Sheriff. Right now, I'd like to talk to my friend. Maybe he wants a lawyer. Lawyer? The way that mob sounds, I'm afraid there's no time nor use for a lawyer. I'm going back there, Sheriff. Wait a minute, stranger. I never forget a voice. You're the gent who was hiding in the brush this afternoon. But Sheriff, I can... Now, wait a minute. Hand over your gun. I got you covered. Now turn around and back over here, gentle Well, looks like you got me, Sheriff. I'll go to myself, peaceable. You want to see your pal California, huh? Well, you can have a nice visit, because you're going to be in the same cell with him. Now inside with you. I sure hate to do this, but... Oh. You should never put your six-shooter away when you're locking a cell door. Nice work, copy. Catch him, California. Ease him down, gentle. Yeah. Up. Oh, you sure nailed him. Uh, from the way he's breathing, he ain't going to be out too long. Why'd you leave the hotel, California? Well, uh, well, uh, I heard a noise and looked outside. And there was a feller carrying a bundle. A bundle of my clothes. And headed straight for Coyote Creek. With Are you sure? Sure as a heifer looking for a calf. Uh, when he went past the little shack behind the hotel, there was a light burning. Uh, and I seen the red patch. Uh, the widow woman showed him a breeches. Then what happened? Well, uh, a minute later, this gent was tying a rock to my duds, getting ready to sink him. So, you just decided to wander outside. How'd you get caught? Why, uh, well, I was just a closing in on him, and then I slipped on the creek bank. Sure, sure. And this hombre turns around and kicks me right in the chin and hard. Well, I reckon I was still out of my head when I wandered out into the street and smacked dab into the sheriff. Well, I figured the sheriff would be riding toward the bar 20. He sent his men on, but he decided to come back. And uh, speaking of coming back, looks like the sheriff's making another comeback right now. Well, no chance getting you out past that mob, California. For the time being, you're as safe here as anywhere. Here's the sheriff's gun. I ain't very safe anywhere at all, Harvey. I'm scared. I've got an angle. I'll be seeing you. This is a good, strong jail. Now, don't worry. Sure wish I had a harp in here. I could start getting in a few practice licks. Those hombres sound awful, Hoppy. 
Uh, when I come back, I'll rattle these cell bars from the outside window. Keep watching the alley for me. If you want in, just shove the door. You must be Nick Lannon. Your faro dealer said I'd find you up here. If you're squawking because you got cleaned out downstairs, skip it. Boot Hill's full of gents who made cracks about my gaming tables. Yeah, I guess old Bill Ryan was the last to make himself heard. He's dead, all right, and I can't say I'm sorry. Wait a minute, stranger. Just how did you mean that crack? Like you think I meant it. If anyone had a reason to murder him, Lyman, you had one. You're getting kind of careless, ain't you, stranger? That shooting's only a sample. Look at your right sleeve. One through there and two through your hat. <laughs> well, I've got to admit it was good shooting. Which reminds me, never talk to a gent again when he's got his hands out of sight behind the desk. There's seven notches on this shooting iron, stranger, but there ain't none of them got there because a man was only flapping his jaw. When I kill, it's because the other gent went for his gun first. Now, if you want to start for your gun, go ahead. And if you don't, turn around and walk out peaceable like. That's just what I'll do. Walk out peaceable. And thanks for the information. <laughs> you didn't get any information out of me. You're wrong, Lyman. And it's probably the first time in your life you're not betting on a sure thing. So long. <laughs> California. Yeah, yeah, I'm still here. But I wouldn't be if I was a gopher. I'm getting more to work on, California. So am I. Something awful important just happened. Look down the alley. See the little shack where the light's burning? Well, that's where the gent was standing when he tossed your duds into Kyle Creek. Yeah, and whoever he was, he must have done some thinking, because he just come back. Where'd he go? I seen him go into the shack. Maybe now he's afraid someone who lives in that shack saw him knock me out. The barman probably didn't think about a witness till his nerves settled. Well, it could have been the man who lives there you just saw. Oh, what I'm trying to tell you is this barman just didn't walk in. He snuck in and... Now I see what you're driving at. And the light's out, too. Oh. Now, just a minute. I'll get a light. Now. Oh, there you are, friend. Oh, I... I ain't hurt too bad. Just grazed my shoulder. What happened? That's what I want to ask you. I don't know. I was just fixing my supper when this fellow rushes in, blazing away. Lucky for me, he couldn't see me too good from the doorway. I'd be a corner. Did you get a look at this fellow when he came in shooting? No, sir. But if an idea did, I'd be lighting out for the varmint right now. By God, Well, maybe I can save you the trouble. Mr. Cassidy. Right now, you better look after that shoulder of yours. Yeah. Mr. Cassidy. What is it, Mrs. Ryan? How'd you find me here? Oh, California. Down at the jail. I just left me. California What's told up? me. The mob's cutting down a tree. They're going to use it to batter down the jail door. How much longer will it take? Half an hour at most. Horrible. I tried to reason with them, but they wouldn't even listen to me. I've got just one more trick to play, and if it doesn't work, well, I... I'm afraid it'll be too late. 
Those men are sure California killed my husband. They're wild. Where will I find Sam Fleece and the banker's son-in-law? He lives in the house behind the bank, but he's out of town. I'm hoping he's had time to get back. Now listen carefully, Mrs. Lyon. I want you to hide right here beside this shack. There's something you will have to hear. But I don't understand. My friend's life may depend on it. Please do as I ask. Goodbye, Mrs. Ryan. Can I take it, Fleeson? You aren't willing to make the loan to me on my face. I never heard of such a thing. First you break in on me when I'm tired after a long trip, and you try to borrow money when it isn't even banking hours. Finally, you can't even offer any security. Well, I guess that's it, then. But I told you why I had to ask for it. My partner was carrying all our money. Well, and... that's too bad. But I can't do business with you. Now, if you'll leave me alone, I'll try to get some sleep. Good night, Mr. Fleason. Mrs. Ryan, where are you? Over here. If I've guessed right, it won't be long. Well, they got their tree cut. They'll have to trim it some before they can use it. That'll take the most time. Isn't there something? Wait. Listen. You hear that? Someone's coming. Who is it? The man who killed your husband, Mrs. Ryan. The man who tried to kill the old-timer inside this shack. (gasps) He's sneaking down to the river bank now. And I know what he's after. He's not worried about being caught. Not with the whole town up at the jail. Sam Fleeson, I can see you, but you can't see me. Just what's the idea? Kind of cold to go swimming, isn't it? And it doesn't look like you're carrying a fishbowl either. I want to go waiting. That's my business. It's like old Bill Ryan was getting too close to the solution of those bank robberies, wasn't he? That's a lie. You can't prove any of this nonsense. You'll prove it for me, Fleeson. In fact, you already have. What are you talking about? I asked you for a loan because someone had taken my partner's clothes with all our money in them. When you came out to this creek to try to find that money, Fleeson, you signed your confession of the murder of Bill Ryan. Because the murderer is the only man who knew where those clothes were. Come on, Fleeson, you're through. Come and get me, Cassidy. You're losing your head again, Fleeson. Four shots at the old-timer inside this shack. And one makes five. You haven't reloaded. You've got only one left. That's a bad gamble, I'm warning you. I'll take my chances, Fleason. You're an awful poor shot and you know it. Now, Fleason, I'll come and get you. Maybe this gun's empty, but I can sure count you with it, Cassidy. Stay away, I'm warning you. Quite a dive, Fleason. Now, up, up you go. And down you go again. Now, we'll just hold you down until you have a change of heart about confessing. Now to the conclusion of The Killer in Black. Up here, I reckon you wanted a good night's sleep, but I ain't exactly in love with Kyle Junction. <laughs> oh, I feel all right, California, now that it's over and we got Fleason's confession. <laughs> 
But I've got to admit, you sure look funny marching out of jail with that big rope around your skinny neck. Well, looks to me like you sure took your time of getting there. Well, it's just as I was telling you. The killer took four shots to murder poor Bill Ryan at close range. So all I knew for certain was he was a mighty poor shot. From uh, the looks of them holes in your hat and shirt, that let out Nick Lyman the gambler. <laughs> it sure did. That was as pretty a shooting exhibition as I ever saw. And you know, the sheriff wasn't the killer. A lawman's got to be able to shoot pretty straight, which left Sam Fleish. But the only way I could confirm my suspicions was to get him to look for your clothes where he'd tossed them into the creek. It all took time, California. Yeah, yeah, I know it did, Hoppy. Well, maybe the boys at Bar 20 will think I'm quite a dude in this black outfit of fleecing. <laughs> and you know, uh, I've been thinking... Hmm? If I didn't know you so darn well, I'd suspect you was in cahoots with the killer right from the beginning. What? Well, uh, it was just because I was dressed all in black that I had such a narrow escape. Yeah? Yeah, and this time riding out's the first time I can remember in ten years that you ain't been dressed all in black. <laughs> yeah? Well, so it is. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Hoppy gets his man again, and this time it's the killer in black. Hoppy's next story concerns his visiting an old Scots friend by the name of MacDonald MacDonald and becoming a bodyguard to a French songbird who receives a note of warning threatening certain death. Hoppy calls this one coming attraction murder. So remember to be with us for another fast-moving episode of Hopalong Cassidy. Hopalong Cassidy, starring William Boyd, is transcribed and produced in the West by Walter White, Jr. The Killer in Black was written by Sidney S. Swirsky and Dwayne Yarnell. All stories are based upon the characters created by Clarence E. Mulford. This is a Commodore production. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.